You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris, and and I've got to admit, I'm already laughing because uh, we have a very, very, very special guest today. Uh, Not only is he the Giraffe Project Coordinator for Global Conservation Force, which is just an outstanding organization that is really emerging in the fight against poaching in the world, but he's also this just amazing keeper extraordinaire of giraffes and other ungulates at the LA Zoo. It's actually one of my really good friends. Finally get some, get him on the podcast. I've dropped his name in like 50 episodes because he always messages me, where's my name? But uh, welcome, Mike Bona. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, Chris, thanks for having uh, me on. So good to see you, my favorite Disney princess. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been a year. I had literally, uh, the last time I saw you, I think was in February before COVID like devastated the planet. And then I took off and got out of the US, but you're the smart one. I know, I know, I know. And and I've been following you, obviously, and what's been going on back home in California. Yeah, we've all just Um, been staring at New Zealand, like just envious, like you guys (laughs) just roaming around, going to events with no mask, living carefree and... We're just, I, it's just been terrible here. I know. I have not worn a mask since I've gotten out of quarantine. I just, I don't miss it. And it's been seven months now where I have not worn a mask. I'm sorry, people. I, I'm not rubbing it in. I'm just, yeah, it's been great. It's been great down here. Uh, so, you know, today we're going to talk a lot about the, the work you're doing with Global Conservation Force. But, you know, do, I'd like to get some updates before we get there. You know, and if you can just give our listeners... You know, where you grew up and, and where this interest in these tall ungulates began? Uh, I grew up in a small town on the central coast of California called Paso Robles. Uh, really, it was like a small, like, cow town. And I, I just always had a love and passion for animals. Probably came from my mom because she does too. Um, you know, I was always the one, you know, bringing home, uh, you know, snakes and lizards and bugs home to uh to keep us pets and and rescuing baby birds and you know it's funny as an adult looking back on that time i'm thinking i probably should have left all those birds alone they don't they didn't need my help <laughs> you know it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know it was the 80s uh, actually 90s we'll, we'll go with that uh, <laughs> 1880s or no, 1980s. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know but um that's yeah. just where that love fostered and um mm-hmm. i always you know was the one to watch you know the nature shows and Back then, it was, you know, Jack Hanna and, and Steve Irwin and any, you know, David Attenborough documentary I can find on on the nature channels. And in my hometown, there was actually an, um, like an exotic animal outreach facility called Zoo2U. And I got an opportunity to volunteer with them. And they had like, they had a tiger and monkeys and, and raccoons and mountain lions, all different unique wildlife that they take to schools and and functions and events to educate people about conservation and wildlife. And I got the opportunity to volunteer there when I was um, in high school. And like the first day I was there, they just received from um, Fish and Game, this three-day-old bobcat that someone found abandoned. I think the mom may have been hit by a car or something. And I got to hold this thing. And it's like from that moment, I'm like, yes, 
this is what I want to do with my life. I'm in the right spot. And um, uh, David Jackson, who runs that organization, he uh, graduated from a school in Moore Park College um, down in Ventura County. It was the Exotic Animal Training and Management Program. And that kind of set my course on, okay, well, this, I want to work with animals. This is where I want to go. And that's ultimately where I ended up. It's a two-year program with a zoo on the campus of the college, much like um, uh, Angie's husband, uh, the, um, the <clears throat> I forget what it's called in Florida, the uh, other animal school there. Yeah, the Santa Fe College. Yeah, Santa Fe yeah, College. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. So this is like the West Coast version. There's like a small like five-acre zoo with about 150, 200 exotic animals on the campus that basically run and operated by the students for two years. And outside of once you graduate from that program, you know, students go from, you know, go to zoos, they go to uh, exotic animal outreach facilities, they go to training animals for the movie TV industry, guide dogs for the blind, SeaWorld. I mean, they go all over the world, anywhere where there's a job related working with animals. That's where um, graduates from Moore Park College go. And I ended up at the LA Zoo. Yeah, no, I it, yeah, I know. Like Rick Schwartz, our buddy down at San Diego Zoo, he he does a lot of stuff with Moore Park. Like it's 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 a big program in in the Western United States. So you know, for our younger listeners, that if you're looking to get into the zoo industry or be a zookeeper, definitely uh, check out that program. It, it's really great. Now, obviously, I, I we we talked a little bit, but I just I just how is the zoo done in the past year with COVID? It, it's you know, obviously I follow LA Zoo very closely, you know, only you, but other friends I have there and then doing some programs with you guys. So how are you doing? How are the animals doing? Uh, well, you know, the zoo was closed for several months over the past year, um, starting in, I think it was March of last year, pretty much all through the summer. We opened up to limited capacity for a couple of months and then the holidays came, the numbers spiked and we shut down again and zoos, you know, need the guests, they need the patrons to uh, come and, you know, t- to support the zoo. Uh, luckily, we have a great, um, you know, nonprofit sector of the of the zoo that can, you know, raise money, keep us afloat to keep it, you know, the animals, the care for the animals during this time never dropped. Um, animal care staff still remain working full time. Um, Kind of selfishly, it was really nice being at the zoo when it was empty. I mean, I yeah. I do love the guests. I love talking about my animals and and educating and talking about conservation. But also, it's, it's just nice when it's quiet and it's just you get to share time with you and your animals. So it's kind of a mixed bag there. But we're uh, we're back open. We're uh, still at limited capacity, but I think it's I think we're at half or or more, you know, 50%. And it sounds like we'll be opening up uh, fully uh, come, you know, mid to late June, whatever the uh, governor and the county has uh, set set aside as far as regulations. You know, the animals during that time, they seem to adjust well. The giraffes, you know, they seem to just kind of merge into having a closed zoo uh, seamlessly. They didn't really seem to react that much until like the, the zoo when the zoo started opening up again they started seeing people they'd stare at them like like they forgot they stare at them like where are these people coming from what are they doing but you know they they adjust pretty quickly to that you know, on the flip side as well 
Yeah, I love the LA Zoo. It's just beautiful, beautiful facility. Animals are amazing. I just, I loved every time I, I got to go. And then you'd give me some uh, some tours of the zoo. It was amazing. Loved it, loved it. So that's good. Now, switching gears, you know, let's talk about your, your role with Global Conservation Force. Because you reached out to me a few months ago and said, hey, you know, we're going to start focusing on giraffes and you're involved with it. Now you're the project coordinator. How did this all come about? Uh, you know, it was funny. So, you know, Mike Veal is the uh, the founder and president of uh, Global Conservation Force. You interviewed him, was it last year, two years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Oh, my God. Such, so inspirational. And, and he's been a friend of mine for uh, a long time. And I've been a supporter of Global Conservation Force. And he was working at the safari park down Escondido. And he kind of retired from that job back in December. And I made like just a nice little, hey, good luck in the future. I look forward to the great things you're going to do on Facebook. And out of the blue, he's like, hey, Mike, we have a um, this position, giraffe conservation project coordinator that um, we need to fill. And I thought you'd be the perfect guy for it. Would you be interested? And it was really it was out of the blue. I'm like, more information, please. Yes, I yeah. am interested. <laughs> yes. Now, wait, wait, real quick. Does that mean you have to go through ranger training? Because I want to see that. Uh, <laughs> anti-poaching training <laughs> nope not not exactly no, um, okay 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 yeah, <laughs> i don't know if that's in my future but um yeah. but yeah I, I was kind of taken back and but was really excited and i had a, a you know uh, shortly after that had a nice uh phone chat with mike like what's this entail what do i need to do and you know basically it's um you know it's it's fundraising for um for gcf and then um, hopefully giving me the opportunity to go out and work on their projects out in the field, um, on a fairly regular basis. I'm, I'm hoping, uh, this year, I don't think that's going to happen, but, um, you know, the following year, I think I can get kickstarted on that, but, you know, he's seen the work I've done in the past fundraising for events through our American association of zookeepers, the uh, LA chapter. I, I've been the president of that chapter for eight years up until the past couple of weeks ago, I finally stepped down to kind of focus more on GCF and give someone else an opportunity to take uh, AZK into, um, <clears throat> you know, a new direction. But we've done so many events um, through AZK. Uh, we have the most successful Bowling for Rhinos program in the country. Over the past 10 years, we've raised almost half a million dollars for rhino conservation. We've supported, um, Global Conservation Force during uh, World Rhino Day. Uh, I've been doing giraffe uh, conservation fundraisers up until now. They've been for the Giraffe Conservation Foundation, which is a wonderful organization who I still, you know, love and support. But now that I'm on the team for the other GCF, um, yeah, I'm still going to be doing um, my fundraising, but it's going to be for Global Conservation Force. But yeah, you know, after seeing you know my conservation um, fundraising you know, skills and the work that I've done working in the field with uh, Giraffe Conservation Foundation, you know, he figured I'd be the perfect person for the job. And I'm just thrilled he thought about me and asked. Uh, it's amazing. I was really excited for you. And, you know, to back it up a little bit for for people that haven't listened to the Mike Veal interview, they, they should. This was a zookeeper at the San Diego Zoo who started this this organization to train anti-poaching teams they're training dogs they're involved with with horseback enforcement it's 
fascinating interview. It's a fascinating organization. So Mike Veal actually went through the Ranger training and you listen to his story and it is brutally hard. So that's why I was asking Mike Boda, like, are you going to do it? Because wow, you know, no, thanks. I, I, I did that long time ago. No, no more for me, but Mike, if really quick for the listeners that don't know about global conservation force, can you talk a little bit about the organization and, and kind of what they're, what they do? Um, yeah, briefly, if you want to know more in depth, yeah, go back and listen to that Mike Veal interview. But, you know, he's, he started this organization after you know, all of us, I think, that are zookeepers look at what's happening, you know, to wildlife in, in the wild, you know, rhinos and elephants and what have you. And, you know, wish, God, I wish we can go out there and just personally do something about it. When Mike Veal's like, you know, he did. He, um, he started this organization. He uh, started, you know, focused mostly at the very beginning on rhino poaching and rhino conservation and he figured out a way to kind of train and support anti-poaching units in south africa to you know protect these uh, rhinos against poachers and the organization has just grown over the past nine i think it started in 2012 so over the past almost decade and going from focusing on rhino conservation to now they focus on rhinos and elephants and painted dogs and pangolins and now giraffes. And so it just keeps growing and, and becoming, you know, bigger and bigger. And I'm just so proud to be a part of this team now. No, it's amazing people, all amazing people. Now, here you go. Here's, here's, here's your opportunity to convince our listeners why giraffes are the best animal ever, but why giraffes? Why, why is GCF now focusing on giraffes? Well, giraffes have, um, their numbers have fallen about, you know, 40% in the past 30 years. Their population is declining. They're going through what many have referred to as a silent extinction because their, you know, numbers are disappearing and people just aren't hearing about it because they're not getting the headlines that rhinos and elephants do. Um, there's about four African elephants for every one giraffe in the wild. And not to take anything away from elephant conservation, but with giraffes, you know, people, you know, they go to safari, they expect to see a giraffe and they usually do because in the touristy places, that's where the giraffes are. But you go out in the more rural places and their, their habitats just being occupied by more and more people and farms and cities and businesses. And there's just too many people and not enough space for the giraffes. So they're losing their habitat. Uh, right now there's roughly about a, uh, I think the latest, um, you know, census from the Giraffe Conservation Foundation said there's about 117,000, which is actually a higher number than their previous census uh, about five years ago. And that's partially because of the conservation work they've been doing and partially because their count number counting, their census taking abilities have kind of improved. So, yeah, their numbers have kind of been steady for the past, you know, five or so years. But, you know, they're still at risk of, of population decline. Well, and, and what, there's, uh, was it nine species or nine subspecies of giraffes? And then which ones are, I'm trying to go back to our giraffe episode. It's been quite a while. Which ones are, are endangered? Well, it depends on who you ask. So right, right now, the IUCN identifies giraffe as one species of giraffe divided into nine different subspecies. Now, of those um, subspecies, the um, the Rothschild giraffe, I think they have considered uh, endangered. The um, 
Maasai giraffe, which we have at the LA Zoo, and I think the, the West African giraffe in Niger. But recent genetic studies that's been done by um, Giraffe Conservation Foundation uh, shows that there's as many as four full species of giraffe and about seven subspecies. So of that, you'd have the northern giraffe, the southern giraffe, the reticulated, and the Maasai. So if they're um, genetic studies, they show like, for example, the Nubian giraffe and the Rothschild giraffe genetically are the same. They're just kind of separated by, you know, region. Um, but they haven't been separated long enough to become like different subspecies. So if you go off that information and hopefully the IUCN is going to recognize those numbers in the near future, you'll have a population of the Northern giraffe, which is a full species of giraffe. And their numbers would be fewer than 5,000. So they'd be listed as like critically endangered and would afford them, you know, more, you know, conservation, you know, support in the wild because of their conservation status. Yeah. So besides, I know you mentioned habitat loss, are they being poached? Are there other pressures that they're, that they're seeing in Africa that's kind of driving those populations down? Yes, definitely poaching is an option. They're they're poached for their their meat, their bones, their hair, their skin, pretty much anything you can. Um, uh, a lot of times, it's by you know local African people that are just kind of trying to feed their families. You know, one giraffe could feed a whole village of people for you know quite some time. Um, <clears throat> or there, you know, there's trophy hunting and stuff like that too, that can contribute to the the, the problem. But yeah, a lot of it is just, you know, loss of habitat, though, and just, you know, loss of uh, their, their, the acacia trees that they feed off of, you know, those numbers are going down, too. So their food source is kind of going, you know, disappearing. So it's it's rough out there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah, we, you know, we always, fo- you know, we do focus a little bit on Africa and like desertification is a, is a massive problem and, and, you know, not only losing habitat to to people, but also just nature and climate change, which they're just facing they so much. Such an iconic animal and mm-hmm. so unique to Africa. It's like, it'd be just tragic to have the giraffe disappear. Cause you know, what other animal do you think of exclusively Africa? I mean, I guess, you know, the lions, but you know, there's big cats all over the world, you know, rhinos, you got rhinos in Indonesia and India, but exclusively to Africa. I mean, what's like a giraffe? It's nothing. They're so unique. They're so like just iconic. Yeah, they're amazing. And they're like the, the first first creature in, in our logo. You know, I, I always notice is the giraffe, you know, in, in our All Creatures podcast logo. You it's got just, good taste, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> that's before I knew you. <laughs> so I probably would have changed it then. I'm just kidding. No, but they they are unique. And can you talk about, you know, why giraffes are important to an ecosystem? You know, the, these, they are large herbivores, but not only it's just like, yeah, they're pretty to look at and they're amazing to watch, but you know, they, they do play critical roles out there in their ecosystems. Yeah. In any ecosystem, you know, you you need like every animal plays a role and you take out an animal it's going to make a difference. If giraffes disappear, I mean, they, provide, you know, food for the tick eating birds that pluck, you know, the bugs off their, their skin and fur. They, um, they are the only ones browsing the acacia trees from the upper levels, you know, kind of keeping, you know, those, those trees, you know, trimmed and allowing for new growth. Um, they're seized 
seed dispersers for the you know acacia trees or any other trees they're eating um and they are just amazing you know they're they're capable of living in such like diverse climates too it's incredible and the first time i went to africa i went to um kenya and you know we saw you know i was working on the rothschild giraffe project out there and you know i'd seen giraffes typically where I'm used to seeing them like on TV, like in, you know, Savannah, grassland, trees, grass. And then a couple of years ago, I got to go work with them in Namibia, up in the northern part of the country. And what's called the uh, Namib Desert, one of the oldest deserts in the world. And it's like, it's desert, it's barren. It's like, how does anything survive out there, let alone these huge megafauna, right, right, the right. giraffes? And they're just amazing, you know, survivors. There's so little water there. And they're able to, you know, survive with what, you know, little, you know, plants and trees and water is in that region. So it's incredible. And, you know, there's also areas in, you know, South Africa where, believe it or not, it snows. It gets cool enough where it can snow. And there's giraffes living down there. Yeah, I've seen photos of giraffes in the snow. That's crazy. So (laughs) I I didn't know that one. Yeah, so it goes, it's not often, but yeah, it it does. They go from like this extreme heat to really, you know, cold climates and they doesn't seem to bother them wherever. Now, I was going to ask you about your trip to Africa because I've, I've seen pictures of it and it was fascinating. So what was some of the work you were doing down there during that project? Uh, well, the uh, um, Namibia project was very fascinating. We got to put uh, GPS trackers on um, a handful of the drafts out there in the wild. And with that information, they can track where the drafts are going and determine their true um, kind of region, their, their habitat, which is important because if you have giraffes living in like a protected reserve you know they're where they're safe and there's anti-poaching units and and you know government officials that are there to protect them well if you find out with this information that they migrate off the reserve certain times of the year well then you got to figure out well how are we going to protect them when they're not in this protected space that we're we're, we're used to seeing them you know it's also do you know you learn a lot of information like as far as do uh, males, you know, venture off on their own sometimes forming, or they form bachelor herds. They always hang with the same group of females or do they kind of, you know, hit up each, each, you know, go from herd to herd population to population. So it's a lot of important information that you can receive. Right. These, you were, you were working with the giraffe conservation foundation on that. Weren't you? During this. Yeah. I haven't done any yeah. work. Um, all my work in the field so far has been with the giraffe conservation foundation. Right. So I'm hoping you know, maybe next year to start going out and working with uh, Global Conservation Force. Yeah, you're itching to get back, I could tell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, I know, I know. And with COVID, it's it's been tough. But, uh, you know, I, I Daniela, who does the Forest Elephant, I interviewed her last year, and, and she was back home, you know, because the university wouldn't pay for her to go out. I just read that she's actually getting to go, to go back to her elephants and back to her research. Uh, there in the Congo. So hopefully as things improve around the world, we can get back out there. Cause Mike, I mean, have you heard any news from Africa? I did have an interview a couple weeks ago with, with Dr. Lucy Kemp down there in South Africa, you know, her work with Southern ground hornbills, but are you hearing anything from, you know, either the giraffe conservation foundation or even global conservation force, how the animals have fared during COVID because 
you know, tourism has just jumped off a cliff. There is no tourism really in Africa right now. And so all those people depending on those dollars and all those animals depending on those tourists has, has dried up. So any news from that part of the world? I haven't heard anything recently, but you're, you're absolutely right. You know, conservation, you know, relies on, on tourism for their, for the support of the conservation in these, a lot of these touristy areas. And, um, you know, because that tourism money is not there, some of the locals have, you know, have turned to hunting for bushmeat to kind of survive, which uh, has been problematic. Um, you know, there's been kind of more freedom for for poachers to move in these areas without being spotted because the tourists aren't there. Um, honestly, at this moment, as we as we're speaking, I'm not sure if things are kind of loosening up. Uh, I know. COVID is getting better in like the U S and other countries, but I'm not sure in some of these touristy countries, you know, if it's still, you know, interfering with travel for, for tourists that want to go visit. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that's going to open up anytime soon. And it just, you know, organizations that depend on it, 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 we, I just have a feeling where the numbers aren't going to be great, you know, at the end of this thing for the animals and hopefully we can, we can get back on board and, and people can, can get back down to these areas in Africa and elsewhere to support the locals, support the local economy, which then supports anti-poaching units, things like that. How, I guess I could turn, turn the tables on Global Conservation Force. How have they fared as an organization, you know, with Mike Veal? Uh, it's, it's been tough. Um, I know last year, you know, they couldn't do many of their, their fundraising events they do in the U S to, uh, you know, raise money for their programs. Uh, they were kind of bailed out, you know, towards the end, they, they had a uh, coyote Pearson help them out with this, uh, rhino conservation challenge, which I participated in where the winner, I didn't win, but the winner got to yeah, win the trip I to know. Africa yeah, I saw before that. <laughs> yeah. I came so close, but, um, but I think part of my, uh, uh conservation, uh, or my fundraising efforts for that, that, um, event that they held kind of, you know, helped Mike notice that, you know, you might be a good guy to help uh, raise, <laughs> raise money for draft yeah, conservation. Right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, there, a lot of their people couldn't, you know, travel to work on the, you know, to help out and work with the anti-poaching units. Uh, money was kind of tight. So um, it, it, they took a hit, but uh, you know, I see things are starting to open back up. Uh, I think, you know, Mike's going back down there. Uh, Roxanne has a trip planned to uh, work with the, uh, the mounted poaching units in South Africa in the near future. So um, hopefully, you know, like you said, things should be, you know, getting back to where they were before the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I remember talking to to Mike Veal and he was, you know, telling the stories about, it was just fascinating how the certain parks that GCF were operating in poachers learned not to go there because what he was doing and that the, the anti poaching units were so effective with the mounted horse patrols, the dogs, I think the dogs scared them a lot too, right? Like, you know, the dogs were, were very keen, uh, working very well, and then just the aggressive patrolling. So it'll be good news when, when you guys can get back down there. Now, what are your plans for the giraffes? Like, what are some of the projects you're thinking of to get out there and, and get on the ground and help them out? Uh a lot of the conservation efforts for the giraffes out there is really kind of 
uh, fundraising to ma- maintain the anti-poaching units, uh, providing equipment for the, the boots on the ground for the individuals that live out there whose jobs rely on protecting these giraffes. Um, you know, I'd love to go out there and do more um, GPS tracking um, uh, projects with the giraffes. Uh, they've uh, participated in some translocations, which is a which is a, a project that I've yet to work on, but I'm really looking forward to where they, they take, you know, find, you know, healthy populations of giraffes and they'll physically like move like a small group of them into a region where giraffes have previously like gone extinct. <clears throat> and now because they, they've moved like, you know, like a couple males and a few females and they have populations of giraffes like growing in these regions where giraffes went extinct a hundred years ago, but because of certain circumstances, you know, these areas are now, you know, deemed safe and habitable for giraffes to return to. So that's kind of helping the populations, you know, throughout the continent grow. Um, one specific example, and this is with uh, uh, Giraffe Conservation Foundation is in Niger. You know, I first heard about the West African giraffe in that country back in 2010. There's roughly over 200 individuals left. I mean, they were like on the brink of extinction. And now because they got a concerted effort from the government there to protect these giraffes, their numbers over the past decade have climbed to 600. And they've recently, I think uh, last year, or the year before, they moved a population to a new region of the, of the country. So now they have two relatively healthy populations of giraffes with their numbers growing, which is fantastic. So I know when we speak about conservation, whether with giraffes or any other species, it can seem like a lot of doom and gloom. But I look at stories like the West African giraffe and find like the bright spot to know that our efforts aren't going to waste, that we are making a difference, even though it does seem like sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back. Um, you know, it's you got to find your your little victories to cling on to and and just hope that in the future they'll they'll continue to improve. No, it's funny you're talking about that because I, I remember, you know, and you put me in contact with Dr. Julian Fennessy with the Giraffe Conservation Foundation. So thank you again for that. You know, we had him on a year ago and I remember him talking about the relocation. Again, another fascinating interview. People, that's why I, these interviews are so amazing. And he said, remember he's taking them through with the trucks and all these giraffes were in the back and the, the locals have never seen giraffes. And they come running out like, what are these things? You know, it was like he was almost educating people on the road with the giraffe. It's just, oh, it's fascinating. Like how, I don't know if you can tell people because I've seen it, but how do you move a giraffe, you know, from facility to facility? Oh, like within zoos? Yeah, like, or just oh. anywhere. Like I've, I've in Florida, you know, they used to, cause I'm at the vet school there, you know, they bring, bring giraffes in. And I just thought it was hilarious when they would come in. Uh, typically when I've been involved with uh, moving a giraffe, it's usually, you know, the younger ones. Um, cause usually about, you know, around, around age of two, you know, they're, they're not nursing anymore. They're, they're winged from their, their parents and, we have through the our species survival program coordinator a, a designated zoo where they'd be you know perfectly genetically paired with a mating um, male or female. So they kind of designate you know where we should move an animal. So we, we do it at a young age, so they can kind of just fit on a like a tall horse trailer and just move through the roads. Um, you can move, you know, an adult too. It's a little more complicated and there's very few people in the country that are capable of doing that, but there are specialized trailers 
where you can kind of adjust the the roof of the trailer through like hydraulics or what have you. I mean, these are some souped up trailers for moving these animals. And you also got to plan your path wisely because sometimes, you know, you won't be able to go like through certain tunnels or under certain overpass. So it can be tricky. And it sounds like a stressful job that I'm glad I don't have. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I just, it's funny because I, I pulled up, I, I went to the interview and, and I remember the, the images and, you know, maybe with your interview, I can remember to, to link the photos, but I have the, the giraffes in Africa being moved and it's just hilarious. The back of this big truck, you know, and they have branches up and the giraffes are just looking out, like just going for a drive. It's just the best thing ever. Yeah. And, in the wild is completely different because your animal's not in a zoo exhibit. They're right, out in the right, wild. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah. uh, basically it's the same process when we put the GPS trackers, you, um, our vet would, you know, dart them to sedate them. And sometimes that would be enough for them kind of just fall to the ground on their own. And some, but sometimes they would kind of just start running in a drug stupor, kind of just just straight into who knows what. And in that case, you got to follow them in your vehicle. There's no paved roads, so you're like flying at you know 30, 40 miles per hour, you know, four wheel drive with a, <laughs> with a group of people in the back of the pickup, kind of bouncing up and down. And that's that's the wildest ride I've been on. And then you got to get in front of the draft your team jumps out with a rope and you basically just trip the giraffe. You kind of rope the wrap the rope, tie the rope around their legs. Kind of like um, any star Wars fans up there. It's like taking out the uh, ATAT walkers and the, right, right. Yeah. and the empire strikes back. Yeah, yeah. And then the giraffe just goes down. And then um, with the leverage of like just two or three people, like kind of on their neck, they can't get their heads up and they can't stand up. Um, and then you just do, um, you get in the reversal drug, so they're awake. You put the GPS tracker, you attach it onto one of their Aussie cones, which is the horns on top of their heads. And uh, you, we take measurements, we get blood, hair samples, any you know, any data we can get on these animals in that short amount of time that they're they're down. And then once you're done, you just get off their, uh, you step off their necks. They stand up, they kind of shake off what happened, and they wander off on their own. And with the GPS trackers, so you can kind of follow where they go. Um, the next step from there, I suppose, if you want to move them and then it's a whole um, coordinated um, like dance of like uh, pulling them around with ropes into a trailer into, uh, you know, into the destination where they're supposed to go. Yeah, it's got to be tricky. It's definitely got to be tricky and, and, and a lot of expertise there, you know, and obviously the animals, there's veterinarians there to make sure they're they're, they're healthy and everything's fine. But yeah, yeah that would just be fascinating. Yeah, I got to work with some of the best out there, you know, Julian and um, um, I worked with Ivan Carter, who you interviewed. You know, he's an amazing conservationist and and Pete Morkel is one of the uh, the vets that we worked with, who's worked with uh, Draft Conservation Foundation and a lot of other uh, conservation organizations out there. And he's incredible. So you, this is the best of the best out there doing what they do, trying to keep these animals, you know, the population stable and 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 moving forward. Yeah, and it, it is one of the most iconic animals in Africa. I mean, it is. It, it, and there's 100,000 left in the whole world. So, you know, a little bit over 100,000, but it, it's like, I don't know. It just motivates me to keep doing what we're doing. It doesn't matter what animal it is in the world, you know, in my backyard here in New Zealand. Yeah, 50 it, years ago, I, I think there would be like a million out there, literally. Yeah. I mean, their numbers have dropped that that dramatically. And how disappointing would you be if you went on an African safari and didn't see a giraffe? <laughs> yeah. Or an elephant or, you know, the, 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 cause you always, you're right. You, you think of giraffes, elephants, rhinos, lions, 
you know, the, the, the big ones, those are the big four. Like if you talk about Africa, that's what people want to see, you know? And if you're my podcasting partner, Angie, you're trying to see that elusive leopard. She's been like three or four times and she, she has yet to see a leopard out there. But <laughs> Speaking of, of people, I do have to ask you, but Angie and I've been talking lately and, and she's really trying to get Leonardo DiCaprio on. So <laughs> I know you have that photo you showed me. I, I don't know if that was like 20 years ago or is that a couple years ago, but can you get us in contact with him? We, we, we'd love to have him on the podcast. <laughs> I did give Leo a tour at the zoo. What was it like seven, eight years ago? Yeah, but you know, he, yeah. he forgot to leave his phone number with me. Oh, okay. so I'm, I'm you sorry. were texting him. Okay. I, I don't think I'll be able to help you out with that one. But. <laughs> we were just talking yesterday about it. And I was like, I'm going to ask Mike. Uh, I'll, sorry, I'll chase my sister up. She works in the movie industry. But there you yeah, go. yeah. Yeah, he's he's just donated like forty million to uh, the Galapagos Islands, so or he's working on that. So, well, yeah, if you get a hold of him, uh, GCF could use uh, a little bit of that too, just yeah. a fraction, yeah. just some pocket, whatever you can find in his couch. <laughs> yeah, well, I, so let me ask you this: it's, and I don't know if you know the answer or not, but with giraffe parts, are any of those being exported to foreign countries? for like medicinal purposes or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything that can be exported, you know, illegally, I'm sure ends up, you know, in various parts of the world. And, you know, it's, I, I you know, I don't know what to do about it. It's like the rhino horn, elephant tusk. It's like, it's, it's education. You know, it's how many, you know, decades have we been touting as conservationists that rhino horn is nothing but, your hair and fingernails it's keratin and you know there's people either aren't listening they aren't hearing the information or they just don't care because they've been using it for generations and generations you know draft bone you know draft you know body parts you know they're same thing you know it's <clears throat> you know you're, you're better off going to your you know local pharmacy and getting you know aspirin but you know it's hard to get that message out there that you know, these animals are disappearing because of these myths that they have medicinal purposes. Yeah. We, Lauren, we had Lauren Ayers when she was doing the pangolins and yeah, you know, one also of the things, a member of global conservation force. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like she's fascinating work that, that she's doing on, on that project as far as not only working in Africa to stop the poaching or, or the grabbing of pangolins in the wild, but also at the other end, on the market side of things in Asia, you know, GCF is involved in educating the younger generation. I believe she said in Vietnam, where that to me was fascinating. It's not only the supply side, but the demand side to lower the demand. And especially in the younger generation, I think the younger generation yeah. in Asia, that's who is going to make change. Right. Just like in the, you know, elsewhere in the world. We, we hope so. Yeah. Especially with the penguin it's the most trafficked mammal in the world. Um, and you talk about your big four, big five African species. You want to see penguins on mine. I've, I've, mm -hmm. I want, I want to see a penguin in the wild. So I got to get back and put that on my list. And you can have her leopard. I want to be looking for a pangolin. <laughs> that, that's very true. I want to see a honey badger from a distance. That's it. <laughs> from a distance, yeah. Yes. Through my binos on, a, on standing in the back of a truck where it, it 
presumably can't get me. Those things are so tenacious. Last time uh, I was in uh, Namibia, we woke up one morning from our tents and saw a hyena in the distance, which is cool. I love hyena. I've seen them mm-hmm. twice when I've been out there. And then shortly after we found just next to our, our tent hyena prints. So they oh, wow. came out, they came up during the night and like sniffed and checked us out and then left. Oh. But I mean, yeah, the strength to, uh, to crush every bone in your body. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, something from a distance. I, you know, they can walk by my car, but, uh, yeah, honey badger is definitely on my list. So now switching gears a little bit, how's your baby giraffe doing, by the way? Oh, they grow up so fast. We have um, a newborn at the, uh, at the zoo. That's, uh, I got to do my math now born in October. So as I make her six, seven months. Okay. Um, But you know, they're, they're six feet tall, 150 pounds when they're born Mm -hmm, and they mm -hmm. can literally grow four feet by their first birthday. So after a year, they're about, you know, 10 feet tall. I mean, they, you can literally sit out there and like watch the giraffes grow. Yeah. It's not grass. It's giraffe. Yeah. <laughs> it's and they go grow grow fast. Well, I I did I did mention you in a podcast like a couple within the last two months because it was talking about babies and I remember, you know, have you seen the entire process, you know, of of a giraffe giving birth or is it just you get the phone call? Hey, we had a baby and da 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 da. Oh no, I've seen it. Okay, yeah, you've watched the whole I've, thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They give anyone who hasn't seen it. They females. It's a after a fifteen month gestation. Mm-hmm. ladies yeah i know i know it's yeah. long it's long you, you think nine months is long i know i know yeah yeah Fif- 15 months you know you have this 150 pound six foot tall you know animal you know come out of you they, they give birth standing up so the calf drops you know about six feet to the ground which is important because that kind of breaks the placental sac and stimulates them and then they're up and walking within about an hour which seems fast, but you think about it in the wild, there's like just danger around every corner. So they got to be up and moving quickly and they got to stay with mom. So um, it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch. Typically they like to, you know, give birth in the middle of the night. And sometimes I find a calf, you know, in the morning, but yeah, (laughs) I've I've been there a few times and, and witnessed the, the miracle of birth. I think it was in the, uh, the story slam, the the one I did and they rejected and said you have to redo it because I mentioned you and the, <laughs> I was what? talking about giraffes I just I sent one and they're like no because I had a dog barking in the background and it was very distracting so uh, that's when I went down the sanctuary mountain and the, the story but, slam uh, is <laughs> where the Disney princess reference came from I know I got so it. our our, our AAZK group uh, just a couple months ago did an event called story slam. Where we had these storytellers from you know all over the, the country and world, I guess because we had one from New Zealand. Yes, uh, and <laughs> John Cleese. Like, come on, John I was Cleese. Right, I was right before the famous John Cleese from Monty Python. Fans. That's that the was... only reason anyone stuck through your story. I anyway. know, I know. That's what was great. <laughs> but yeah, we had you know Mike Veal, Jungle Jordan, Rick Swartz, all, all of your former guests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, and now, yeah, telling yeah, stories yeah. Uh, to, to raise money for our our AZK chapter. So it, it was a lot of fun. But you, ha- what was that bird? You showed a bird. That was hanging out next to you. At the that was end the of New York. Zealand fantail. They, the males are so aggressive. They like dance around you. And so I, I did two versions and they, they did the one where I was sitting because I, I understand why, but I did another one while I'm walking through the sanctuary and it's an amazing place here in New Zealand. It, it's, you know, I can't talk enough about it, but it's predator proof fencing. 
So the biome is is pretty native, what New Zealand should look like and sound like. And you go anywhere else, you know, I, so last weekend I went to a conservation area and it was like dead, just quiet, not that many birds because of invasive predators. Anyways, hey, I'm, that, walking so. around, <laughs> I'm walking <laughs> around and I had this New Zealand fan tail because they, they have the fan, they're gorgeous birds dancing around me at the end of my story. It was perfect timing. So I, I had the bird, you know, I shot the bird and then I, I kind of panned up with my phone and. Yeah, and that was the end of my story. But um, yeah, yeah, that's where Disney. Prince but but our, our our wonderful host uh, Bradley Trevor Greaves, who's a great guy in general, conservationist, mm-hmm. author, everything. You know, he, yeah, yeah, he heard you because he had the fan tail following you around everywhere. That you're <laughs> that officially classified you as a Disney princess. Hey, Snow White, I was out there, and I, the I just got me laughing so hard. <laughs> Uh, he should be a future guest of yours. He is fantastic. Yes, we will. We will. We will definitely get him because I know he's got some shows coming out or or has shows on Animal Planet and, and other places, right? So, so you know, you might want to do if um, anyone's interested in actually seeing those stories mm-hmm. uh, when this airs. I think I'll put a link on our AZK website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if anyone wants to, uh, you know, go to um, Los Angeles AAZK.org, we'll put a, a link there. So if you want to, uh, you know purchase the link for a limited period of time. You can watch Chris's story and, and John Cleese and, yeah. and our wonderful host kind of riff on everyone. It, it was a great time. Yeah. It's a good fundraiser too. You know, it, it helps, helps out the, uh, the zookeepers. It, so now you're working with GCF, what's your future look like? Like you stick in, I know LA is, is home, you know, beautiful family there. It's, you know, what's the future for Mike Bona? Well, the beauty of the my position with Global Conservation Force is it's an unpaid position. So I'm not leaving my job at the mm-hmm, LA Zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I don't get paid, that means more funds go directly to the conservation efforts. Um, you know, Mike is the only you know paid staff on the organization. And he just started, you know, accepting a paycheck after 12 years of doing this for free. I mean, that's, that's amazing, the um, progress that he's he's made with this uh, organization, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping to continue my, my um, fundraising efforts uh, for global conservation force, and then going out and working on those projects that I'm raising fund for. Um, I'm hoping to get out there on a, like an annual basis to uh, work with these uh, magnificent giants and, and do uh, projects, keeping them safe and around for generations to come. Yeah. Your wife's probably, yeah, please go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully they get to go with you too and your kids because uh, that would be an, an amazing trip. But yeah, it, it, you're, it's going to keep you busy, but it's doing something you love. I've got to ask, you know, this is, is always one of Angie's favorite questions for her guests. Do you have any favorite giraffe stories you want to tell us? You know, you, you've been doing this for a while and been working for with giraffes for quite a while. But but any stories that stick out, you're like, oh, my gosh, I got to say. Oh, my that. goodness. I mean, going back to maybe the, the first time I saw a giraffe give birth, I mean, it's just it's, it's awe-dropping, you know, awe-inspiring. Um, the, the first time I went to Africa, to uh, Kenya back in 2010, the first giraffe that I saw – in the uh, wild was a mom with her newborn calf. Like literally like she, it was like a week old and I'll, I'm never going to forget that. It was like the first draft that <laughs> you see in the wild and you see a newborn and anytime you see a newborn in the wild, just kind of gives you optimistic hope for the future. Like, yeah, 
this species is going to make it. Um, you know, my, my work in Namibia with the uh, GPS tracking, like literally like tackling a giraffe in the wild to put the GPS tracker that I want to know who is the first person who thought that would be a good idea to yeah. like, yeah. Hey, let's just uh, put a rope in front of that giraffe and uh, yeah, bring it down. Yeah. That will, that'll, uh, that, that'll work. Right. <laughs> That's probably, they probably got the idea from watching Star Wars, you know, way back when. So. It just sounds crazy and participate mm-hmm. in it. Um, you, you find out that, yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> it's yeah. really, it gets the adrenaline pump in and it's, but it's, it's, it was a lot of fun and, you know, all for, you know, a, a good cause. And that's just some of these e- events that, that I've lived through that it's going to stick with me forever. Yeah. Well, I just know, you know, there, there, we, we definitely have a lot of young listeners that want to get involved with conservation and, you know, they, they ask about zookeeping jobs or they ask about working with organizations. So like in Mike's position, LA Zoo does support their keepers in, in doing things like this. Also, you know, San Diego Zoo, other zoos, they do support their, you know, conservation in the field. It's, yeah, you know, I remember interviewing the the koala keepers at San Diego Zoo and they're like, they want you to get out and get in the, get in the field and, and support the animals out there. Cause it's so critical. All of us working together to help these species. I mean, it's just, they're suffering everywhere. So is there any other species that you're working with? You want to highlight the, that, that, uh, the plight before I let you go. Um, I mean, not, not species I'm directly working with, you know, our, our, um, AACK chapter, you know, I told you about our Bowling for Rhinos event. We've kind of taken a, a break from that big event because we're hosting a national conference this year. Um, but hopefully next year we'll be back with uh, raising money for rhino conservation. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I work with a variety of, besides the giraffes, a variety of really neat, like uh, interesting, unique ungulates from Africa and other parts of the world. And the uh, Garanuk that I keep saying that, Oh, mm-hmm. you should do a show. On I know Garinook. I, we will, we will, we will, we will. Yeah. But they're, they're fascinating. They're a beautiful animal. And I uh, just love that opportunity to get to work with those. And, you know, I get to help out. We got, you know, Okapi and Kudu and, mm-hmm. and Grevy zebras and the peninsula pronghorn. And it's just to name a few. There's, there's so many. And <laughs> so Angie should have been doing this interview. She, you and you dork out about hook, hoofs and horns. Those are like some of her favorites, the grevies, you know, the talking. you did show me the talkings there. So those are her babies, but um... you know, all three, you know, any animal that I ever ended up working with has like instantly become my favorite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kind of just ended up with hoofstock and now they're my favorite. But in the past, you know, when I first started, you work at the zoo. I worked with rhino and rhino was my favorite animal at that time. And then I got to work with bears. Oh, now bears are my favorite. And I worked with primates and some of the no. primates were my favorite. <laughs> no, no, move on. Yeah. You know, what's funny about working with the primates. So when I work with host dog, I can say, I love giraffes. Mm-hmm. I love pronghorn. I love Garanuk with primates is very individually basis. I love that primate, that, that one can just go bugger off. I don't, yeah, 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 because like people, they have such unique personalities that, yeah. you know, some I can jive with others. We don't get along so well. And that's why I work with the giraffes, because we all get along well. <laughs> yes, they're great. They're amazing. Hey, uh, any social media or, or where people can follow the work you're doing with Global Conservation Force? Uh, follow Global Conservation Force on um, 
you know, Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, uh, I'm not exactly sure. I think it's Global Conservation Force or GCF, but you can search by their, their title. It'll come up. Um, on those, I'll have, you know, all the work that I'm doing, the other project coordinators are doing with their, their species, any upcoming events. Uh, I'm really excited about, uh, event I got coming up. Uh, hopefully this, hopefully this will air before then, but if you're, if you're in the LA area, come uh, June 19th in Monrovia, which is right next to Pasadena at the Pacific Plate Brewery, and they're big supporters of Global Conservation Force, we're going to have uh, the Laughs for Giraffes comedy show. So it's live stand-up comedy. Don't worry, I'm not doing comedy. No. I have professionals doing it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but this is an event that I've been doing for, um, this will be my sixth event, and it's just so much fun. It's just stand-up comedy, it's, it's beer, it's food, it's silent auction, and all the proceeds are going to go support giraffe conservation through the Global Conservation Force. Um, you know, tickets can be found on the, uh, GCF's, um, event page on their Facebook page, on their, uh, Instagram through their, through their website. I have a direct link on the, um, Los Angeles, azk.org website to buy tickets. So if you're in the area, I'd love for you to come out and support us. Come say hi to me and say, you know, Hey, I heard about this on all creatures podcast. Um, great. I'd love to meet some, uh, some fans of Chris cause he claims he has them. But, uh, there's about 10 out there. <laughs> I'm still skeptical. I pay them. <laughs> I know there's a lot of Angie fans, but Chris, yes, I don't know. <laughs> All right. We're done with this interview. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, that's, um, yeah. Thing. The world draft day is on June 21st. Mm. So this event's on June 19th. So it's a Saturday night. So you can come out, stay late, have a beer, enjoy some comedy, have some fun. It's going to be, it's going to be a blast. Yeah, I went to the one a couple years ago. It, it, it was it was great. It was a great evening. And, you know, it just supports conservation. It, it, it supports GCF. So even if you listen to this interview after the 19th, you know, you can always check with their the globalconservation.org website uh, or the Los Angeles AAZK. I'll have them in the show notes so you can kind of keep tabs on what's going on uh, in the area. But, you know, I highly recommend if, you are coming to California. You're going through Los Angeles. Don't go to Hollywood and all that. Bleh. Yeah, okay. Go do Hollywood Boulevard. Sure, you can go do that. But go to the LA Zoo. Go by the giraffe exhibit. You'll see Mike out there. You know, working, picking up uh, poop and all the fun stuff that you get to do every day. But it's a beautiful zoo. And support him. Support Global Conservation Force amazing organization. These are the people that we need to highlight and also support because you're the boots on the ground. You're supporting the boots on the ground fighting for these animals. So thanks for what you do, Mike. Like, honestly, you know, I I know we're friends and and we joke around a lot, but thank you for the the hard work you do. I, I see it all the time, the fundraising, the AAZK stuff, plus holding a full time job, plus with two teenagers. Yeah. You're busy. You're busy. And uh, thank you for what you do in fighting for giraffes. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you getting the word out through this podcast. I love listening to you, uh, especially those few episodes where you drop <laughs> that special name. name. <laughs> now people would be like, oh, that's who he's talking about. That's the guy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. guy. But yeah, um, yeah, it's, I, I love what I do. So it's not work if you love what you do. 
And yeah, come to Last for Giraffes. If you're looking for an event to venture out of the house for the first time after a year, mm-hmm. this would be the one to do it. So uh, yeah. hope to see everyone there. And yeah. if you uh, can't make it or if you hear this after the 19th, you know, yeah, check out GCF. Please make a donation. Help us out. We we appreciate any help you can uh, you can provide. Yeah. Yeah. Well, take care and uh, enjoy the sunshine in California. <laughs> enjoy the uh, beautiful scenery of New Zealand. I'm oh, so yeah. jealous. I know. You, you gotta, I'll get you down here one of these days. <laughs> All right. Cheers, friend. All right. Cheers. Cheers.